Coming up today on the Locked on Hornets podcast, Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer makes his weekly visit to discuss the chances that Devontae Graham can still win Most Improved Player of the Year award. We also discuss Dwayne Bacon's interesting career in the first three years of his NBA tenure and this. Survey says... You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. <laughs> this is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. We have Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us. Doug is laughing at me. Why are you laughing at me, Doug? What's going on right now? You make me laugh, Walker. You make me happy. It makes me happy to get in front of this microphone and <sighs> spout nonsense for 15 to 25 e- minutes. I saw you smiling. I don't know what happened. I'm I'm afraid. But Rick, I, can you break us up like you did last show? I, I don't I don't know what's going on with Doug already. Hey, you know, Doug, have you considered becoming like a smarmy game show host? I feel like your <laughs> skill set would be better utilized. You know, like if you were, if you were telling people, do you want the thousand dollars or what's behind door number two? I think you'd be awesome at that. Rick, you're hitting close to home, my friend. Other, you know, when you when people are kids, they dream of being astronauts or they dream of being uh, the running back or quarterback for their favorite team. As a kid, I had a microphone and a little jukebox. I dreamed of being the host of Family Feud, and I'm working on it. Steve Harvey, watch out. I'm coming for you. Doug, Did you have the little really? skinny microphone, Doug, no, the little skinny one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd go out on my front porch and host Family Feud. I was a lonely kid. <laughs> it's Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. You can find him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. We always appreciate him for joining us on Tuesdays and putting up with our nonsense. Rick, we've talked a lot about Devontae Graham. He's really struggled offensively the last couple of games. Uh, went for zero in two games ago. Only hit one field goal just a game ago. When you look at Devontae Graham, you know, we had talked about him being a real contender for most improved player. And when you look at the first, I've gone with the first 27 games to include that Brooklyn Nets performance. He absolutely was a part of that conversation. And since then, I mean, it's been dramatically different in a bad sense. Is he still a serious contender for most improved player of the year? I think it's going to be very difficult at this point. I mean, if if he was one of the two or three front runners for that award, um, like in November and December, it's, it's going to be hard now. Um, and Walker, part of that is there is no more subjective decision that voters make in all the different awards and most improved because there's no clear definition of what that means. Um, I think that the combination of the fact that he's tailing off um, and the fact that the Hornets are obviously going to finish with a with a really bad record, um, that's going to hurt his candidacy. And as I said, you know, most awards, there are maybe at most five people who you would seriously consider for them. I've seen years when most improved, there were 10 different people who you could make an argument for. That makes that award very difficult to win. Yeah. How positive are you on Devontae Graham now, Rick? I mean, we really do have this split pretty much right down in the middle of some good basketball and some bad basketball. Where are you based on what you've seen from him this season? 
You know, I don't think his situation is all that different than what Kemba's were, was the first few seasons. The difference is his ascension it, it was so fast that when, you know, when he when he started um, hitting re-entry, when scouting um, caught up to him, you know, it looked it looked sudden. And it so it was like a little bit rattling. But, you know, Kemba went through the same thing when people started taking away what he wanted to do best. And he had to come up with, you know, alternatives, um, reactions. Um, like, for instance, there was a summer when Mark Price wor worked with him constantly on finishing between the foul line and the rim in more creative ways, creating a, you know, a, a, a teardrop, um, you know, pocket passes, things that would give him countermeasures to the way that people were taking away what he did best. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm just giving you happy talk about this, but I think that the massive amount of data is being collected by the coaches about what they can do with Devani this season to help him be better. And the, you know, one of the very first things we learned about Devante, you know, last year, long before he was playing, this is a very smart, grown-up guy. He strikes me as a problem solver. He just needs an off-season to deal with some of this stuff. Doug has brought up a point that I've been interested in the last couple of times we've talked about Devontae Graham, which I'm surprised. Yeah, I know. I'm surprised. Wow. Yeah, I didn't give you a compliment, but I did. Um, and, and the fact that Terry Rozier, Terry Rozier has been labeled this, you know, <laughs> this touchy guy to talk to in the locker room, you know, somebody that can get testy as well. Like you, you don't want to get that. Terry can be temperamental for sure. And we haven't seen that at least a whole lot reported on Rick. I don't know what your experience has been with him, but now I'm interested in a guy like Devonte Graham, who really has been uh, struggling the last half of this season. That's already transpired. You know, Terry being moved to the two guard just overall, what's the temperament of Terry Rozier been like so far this season? Um, and really a new role for the Charlotte Hornets. Um, I think Terry has been a delight to be around. I think he's been adaptive. I think that he has made an effort to be a leader. Um, you know, Terry has, you know, his history, he has some rough edges. But you know something? I think part of the reason that, you know, there was that perception of him specifically coming to the Hornets this summer he was dealing with a really messed up situation and, in, in, you know, with the Celtics. Um, when I asked Brad Stevens about him in the preseason when the Hornets were up there, Brad went out of his way to say that, A, Terry's a pro, and that, B, he spent a lot of time last season one-on-one -on -one with Terry talking through problems. And, of course, you know, Brad never mentioned what those problems were. I think we all know that Kyrie Irving was not the most easy person to work with last season. And I, to be honest with you, I, I think last season was like just textbook of how chemistry can really disable a team. Um, the, the Celtics last season were five, five kinds of soap opera. And maybe what we saw last season in regard to Terry was just somebody who was exasperated by an awful work atmosphere. Rick, we've talked a lot about the future of Miles Bridges and PJ Washington coexisting on the court together. Uh, 
what is the future of a Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham backcourt going towards the future, right? We have a couple more years left on Terry Rozier's contract. What do you make of that future with that pairing? Uh, I think inevitably that's going to change. Um, the, but but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to change tomorrow or even next season. But sooner or later, they've got to have a shooting guard who's physically built like a shooting guard. The league is more receptive than it's been um, to that kind of a situation. I mean, obviously, we've seen in Portland they've they've made you know M- McCollum work as as the shooting guard, but I know that. The Hornets have their their eyes out for a for a scoring wing, and there is going to be change here. They they're not blind to the problem, and that doesn't mean that Terry is a problem, because quite frankly, I don't know if Terry could do a lot more than you could possibly you know have expected from him this season. He's been a been a complete pro. He's been adaptive. Um, it's like. It's like uh, Borrego put to me um, right after the All-Star break. This is probably ideally not what he signed up for, but he's been great in dealing with it. So I do think that sooner or later, there's a good chance that at the end of these three years, that if Terry's here, he's going to be here more as a backup point guard slash combo guard off the bench and the, but but you know he's everything he's every vibe he's sent out says that he'll adapt to whatever they need him to do. Fun time with Rick so far. We've got more ahead. But Walker, earlier in the show, we were talking about Family Feud, and I guarantee you, if we did a poll of a hundred people in Charlotte, North Carolina, I know for a fact what the number one answer for best boutique spa in Charlotte would be. Survey says. Queen City Beauty Group. They support our podcast and they are a boutique spa with only custom services. Every treatment is customized to the individual client's specific skin and condition. Owner-operator Nichelle Mosley is a 2018 and 2019 international award-winning esthetician. I did it. Esthetician. Esthetician. I've been getting that incorrect. It's esthetician. I've been adding a T to that. I don't know why. Esthetician, a skin specialist. Nichelle specializes in treating diverse skin tones with life-changing results. They offer international award-winning treatments for acne, age management, hyperpigmentation, melia, rosacea, sun damage, even body contouring. You can book their Valentine special today. Right now, you can still book that Valentine special for you or someone you love, only $79. It includes a consultation and an amazing custom treatment with Nichelle Mosley at Queen City Beauty Group. You get a $50 gift certificate for a future visit or a re-gift and a special gift from Queen City Beauty Group. Altogether, it's a $215 value, only $79. Go to queencitybeautygroup.com today to book. You book the Valentine special and you type locked on in the comments sections of the appointment form, Queen City Beauty Group. They've been supporting this podcast. Go and support them if you need a boutique spa that does great work. I will be going to see them tomorrow to get a CBD oxygen facial, Doug. Whoa! It is great for beginners. 
It's also great for somebody that has sensitive skin, such as myself. So excited you are very to sensitive. I'll tell you oxygen right facial. Jeez. I can't help it. And my skin is even more sensitive, man. I got to tell you, that's exactly why I need the CBD oxygen facial. So if you don't get the Valentine's Day special on time, they are going to be, I think, running a special on these, if I'm not mistaken. We'll confirm that tomorrow, but I'm excited. I'm going to go check it out. All right. We'll talk about it tomorrow. We've talked a lot about the Hornets' backcourt when I move to the frontcourt here after the break, as well as just the overall outlook the last 25 games of the Hornets' season. We have Rick Bennell on the Locked On Hornets podcast uh, for one more segment on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. But give me some positives. As That would annoy me as a head coach. I'd be like, look, you, you can't lose to the Bulls by 20 and come away and go, well, you know, let's look for some silver linings. Silver lining, game over. Next game. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Rick, something I found really interesting, Dwayne Bacon was sent down to Greensboro, and he was expected to be a big part of this team at the beginning of the season. He came out of the gate really poorly. Has since, again, been sent down to Greensboro where he's dominated, but it's been a rough year in the NBA for him. What do you think his future looks like with the Hornets? I don't think it's likely to be here. Um... Bake asked to be sent back to Greensboro. Um, I think that that's probably healthy as far as him getting some burn. Um, I, I'm guessing that some, you know, that um, somebody out there will sign him. And I think a fresh start might, might be helpful. Um, Bake got a lot better um, in the middle of last season, but it did not translate to the start of this season he was given all kinds of opportunities to his credit. You know, he'd be the first to say that, you know, he's got to take some responsibility and why things didn't work out, but they haven't worked out. And in the interim, Malik Monk has gotten a lot better. And Cody Martin has become a real factor on this team. You know, what we were talking about before about how, you know, they need another starter quality wing. That's true. The irony of that is while they may not have anybody who is ideal both in skill set and size to be their starting shooting guard, they have an abundance of people to play shooting guard. And Bake, who logically should have been first in line, he's now at the tail of that line. And Rick, would it be fair to say, because you mentioned Cody Martin and Malik Monk, would it be fair to say that the Hornets were hoping that ideally Dwayne Bacon could be the best of both of those players, right? A slashing guard who can get you buckets offensively, but can also do what Cody Martin d- does and and lock some guys up defensively and and make some hustle plays. That that's To me, that's what they were expecting out of Dwayne Bacon. They just never got it. You know, when you say that, Doug, what comes immediately comes to mind to me is Bake, when you look at his size and strengths, um, he has the right body type to be a an elite defender, and he has not yet been that guy. Um, and if he's not going to be um, an incredibly efficient scorer, and we've talked, you know, ad nauseum in the past about his inefficiency as a scorer this season. I mean, you can't take that many two-point shots in the way the NBA is played now and hardly ever get to the foul line. You really better do something at the other end, and he really hasn't. 
I think still, even with Devontae's struggles, we would all consider Devontae Graham's emergence as that kind of player as the biggest surprise for the Hornets this season. Has Dwayne Bacon's disappointing season been a surprise to you, Rick, to this level? Or did you always think that there was certainly a possibility of this type of play from him uh, after what we saw from him last year? Walker, I can't remember who asked the question, but I bet you'll remember the instance like I do. Um, Somebody asked um, Borrego at media day if he foresees um, Dwayne Bacon um, playing again in the, you know, for the swarm. And JB just like kind of rolled his eyes and said, that is absolutely (laughs) not what we envision for Dwayne Bacon this season. It, that, that to me, you know, looking back on it historically, that defines how far a fall from grace this is, doesn't it? That, yeah, absolutely. That, and that I do remember that was at that luncheon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, he absolutely rolled his eyes about that. I mean, that was that was his, uh, somewhat of a nice way of James Borrego saying no. You know, I, I remember him saying something to the effect of if we're going to be the most that we can this season, Dwayne Bacon's going to be a big part of it. I, I agree. I, I think it's a, a big development in what's happened this year. Uh, Rick, there's 25 games left to go in the season. What can the Hornets get out of these last 25 games? I can definitely tell you what, what JB hopes to. I'm sitting here in my home office right now as we speak, writing a story about how maybe declaring war is too strong a term, but he really wants them to do something about their how prone they are to live ball turnovers. Um, you know, with a team as small a margin for error as they do, they can't afford to do self-destructive things. They're already in a situation where they have the worst defensive rebound um, percentage in the league. Um, and they're, it, you know, it's not just that they're turning the ball over more than they did last season. It's a lot of, you know, when I asked JB, I said, what's the pattern here? You know, he mentioned that when they get into transition, when they, they create that kind of opportunity, they get these big eyes and they turn the ball over. And, you know, Larry Brown used to talk about this. I'm, I'm, it, I thought it was a wonderful analogy. He used to say that turnovers are like double faults in tennis. They're all bad, but some are a lot worse than others. Well, there's a difference between like, you know, a dead ball turnover that, that the other where the other team has to inbound the ball and you get to set up your defense and it's not good to lose a possession, but it doesn't make things worse at the other end. When you start throwing the ball around the way that they have of late and it leads to layups and dunks and free throws at the other end, that's a very dis- self-destructive trait. Um, the You know, the reality of that, I was talking to Cody, Cody Zeller about this uh, yesterday, is that, you know, he said, you know, there's a, that it takes a while for young players who haven't been around the NBA long, you know, for a long time to understand how different college basketball and NBA basketball are as far as, you know, everybody at the NBA level is, they're longer, they tend to have, you know, they tend to see the game coming at them um, quicker. As a result of that, you know, he said, you know, you can throw, you can get away with some lazy, you know, reckless passes in college that you can't possibly get away with in the NBA without them becoming turnovers. And the combination of a team that is new to each other, and a lot of these players are new to the NBA, 
that's the way that that shows up in their play. So what you're saying, Rick, is that JB is declaring a war on whoopsies. Huh? Oh, Doug, the price is huh? we, we, we know what your calling is. War on I whoopsies. I think Drew Carey's in trouble. Survey says... <laughs> <laughs> that was Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us, putting up with our nonsense as always. You can find him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Just wrote a column recently about whether the Hornets have that guy. We've talked about that quite a bit on this show. I've also talked about that on the wake up call. Rick, thank you so much as always for joining us. We really appreciate the time. This is Locked on Hornets. Decoys all over the place. They've got everybody down at the rim. Ball goes into biz. They do like an XFL style where the wide receiver runs to the line of scrimmage, except it's with Devontae Graham. He picks up a foul. I don't care what you say, Nate McMillan. More like Nate McVillan. Get out of here. Quit whining about the officials. You got plenty of calls. The Hornets got a call at the end of the game. I thought it was fair. Hornets win. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks again to Rick Bennell for joining us as he does every Tuesday on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Doug being a little bit sillier than usual, I guess. Hey, I don't listen, know. I'm just going to say, you should yeah. stop apologizing for me. He knows what he's getting into. He's been on this show. I have times. to. No. But you make it so hard. I feel like I have to with some of the things that you put out there. I just never know what's going to come out of your mouth. Some people love it. It still makes me cringe every once in a while. And yet you still invite me on the radio. That's the, that's the more dangerous format. It is. It is. Absolutely. It is more dangerous. I don't know why I do that to myself. What did you find interesting from what Rick had to say, Doug? I like that he called Devontae Graham a problem solver because through all of the struggles that Devontae Graham has had this season, there has been this underlying hope that he can put things together in the next offseason. And the reason you have that hope is because you have a little bit of evidence of him doing it in this past offseason where he really worked hard on his jump shot to make it more consistent. And we saw that bear itself out, at least in the first half of this season. So can he do some things? Can he make some adjustments? This is the first time in the NBA that he's been faced with this kind of defensive pressure. And it's difficult sometimes to make those kind of adjustments in game. Uh, JB spoke about that in practice that, you know, even though they only have a couple of back to backs left, they're still playing every other day until the end of this season. So they're not going to have those opportunities to practice and get one on one time, especially the guys that are turning in 30 minutes a game. You don't want those guys practicing a lot that they have to save their bodies. But at the same time, Walker, I think that Devontae Graham might be a problem solver, but he's not a problem. You know, to me, like Russell Westbrook was always a problem. You know, Kyrie Irving is a problem. Chris Paul is a problem. Yes, they are also problem solvers, but I think that to me that sort of defines how I feel about the future of Devontae Graham, that I think he he has the potential to be a good player in this league but I'm not sure he has the potential to be a problem. I think he might be a problem solver, but not necessarily a problem. And to be an all-star in this league, you got to be a problem. The philosophical Doug, a problem solver, yet not the problem. Hmm. Right. He can figure things out. He can survive in this league. He's going to find ways to make an impact for this Hornets team. But what they have to figure out, is he just a problem solver or is he a legitimate problem? Meaning, and what I mean by that is like, you can't think, you can hope to contain Russell Westbrook. You can hope to, to maybe 
face Kyrie Irving on an off night. But but they are problems that you that you as the opposing team cannot solve right now. And I and honestly, I mean, Kimball Walker is improving to the point where I feel like he's almost there as a problem that you can't solve. But for the time that Kimball was here, like teams could solve Kimball Walker, and and the Hornets didn't have any other players around him to make him less solvable. But well, I, that's one that's one thing to me, right? Yeah. Like it's the talent around him, right? I mean, because I think part of it. But I don't think it's the whole thing. No, it's not the whole thing. But I think it's something that you have to factor in. Yeah, I don't think Devontae has that kind of ceiling of the all-pro point guards that you brought up in your problem theory. And I'll tell you, when he was a problem in the first half of this season, he was a problem because he was hitting that deep three. And the reason that makes – when he's hitting that deep three, the reason that makes Devontae Graham a problem is because – because of his size, he's a smaller guard. You can run a Spencer Dinwiddie or a Karis LeVert like Brooklyn did around these ball screens up high. You can run them up top, and he can't. He doesn't have that ability like Kimba Walker did to pull up quick and maybe draw a foul. Like they, they were like Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert were ready to block the crap out of those shots, and that's why uh, Devontae Graham had to go inside and, and shoot mid range shots, which he doesn't. He's not very good at. So. Um, you know, that's that's where I see him being a problem is if he can consistently hit that deep three because he's going to get more space. You know what I mean? I do. I also think that something without meaning anymore is the word problem within itself. We've said it so many times. Doug, Dwayne Bacon was somebody that also we talked about quite a bit with Rick Bennell. What did you think of the thoughts that he had about Dwayne Bacon? Expectations coming into the year, asking to go down to Greensboro. So weird, so unique. I don't know how many players actually ask to go down to Greensboro as much as he's asked to go down to Greensboro. What did you make of what Rick had to say about Bacon? Well, I think that Dwayne Bacon has an understanding that he has to, you know, he's a player that has to showcase his ability. And I think he's also a player that with some awareness understands that when he has the ball in his hands a lot, he's more likely to be an impact player. And when you go down to Greensboro, you are going to have the ball in your hands against lesser competition. It's going to allow you to showcase your skills in a way that maybe you aren't allowed to when you're in an NBA rotation, when there are a lot more responsibilities. Maybe there are less responsibilities in Greensboro. And I think maybe he has an understanding of that. Uh, You know, I was really surprised. If you go back and listen to the shows early this season, I was most surprised that Dwayne Bacon was not a, an impact player on the boards. Like it just felt like he was not looking for rebounds at all, not a physical uh, a player when it, when it came to that aspect of the game. And I was so surprised by that because it feels like with his size at that position that it could be a way for him to impact games even if he struggles with his shot. And he just sh- he, he showed no interest in doing that. And there were some other things he showed little interest in, and I think that's why he's in Greensboro, and I think it surprised the coaching staff as well because I don't think they ever, like like you, you guys talked about, they never envisioned him being where he is. And I think part of that, I don't want to even say part of it, I think a majority of that is on Dwayne Bacon and no one else. Yeah, when we talked about who would be the leading scorer of this team, I thought it was going to be Terry Rozier. And then when we saw what happened this preseason, when we saw as many times as Dwayne Bacon was attacking the rim, from what we had heard James Borrego discuss early, I thought, you know what? Dwayne Bacon is going to be a guy that absolutely has a real shot to lead this team in scoring this season. And man, that has gone completely out the window. 
hadn't even come close to happening. Well, I mean, and, and not he, even come close. right. And he, but you have to remember, he had a ton of attempts early this season. Yeah, I mean, the no, ball was, awful, the dude. ball was in his hands a lot and he just couldn't put it in. And, and that's the thing when you have that kind of response, because it's been sort of the opposite story early in the season with Miles Bridges, who didn't have the ball a lot in his hands and wasn't able to do things with it. And now you've seen as his usage has increased, he's actually gotten better. And Dwayne Bacon was the opposite. He had a ton of usage early in the season and couldn't do anything with it. Plus had no interest in playing defense or rebounding the way you would expect someone his size to do. And and that's simply why he's in the situation he finds himself in. I will say this about Dwayne as the season had gone on. I don't think there was anything dramatic about his improvement, but I do think that there was a little bit of improvement in his decision-making and in his passing. I, I thought there were quite a few passing games from him where I left feeling pretty comfortable with the decisions that he made. And it just seemed like he was starting to settle in a little bit more. I, I the confidence thing is the biggest thing to me, right? Like, does he just want to go to Greensboro and beat up on people? You know, does he want to go to the local elementary school and just destroy people? Because that's what's going on. And it's the 4A player, right? Like, he clearly isn't a rotation player right now in the NBA. It doesn't mean that he can't have a couple good games here and there. I, I go back to Steve Clifford. Remember, he would talk about this with Jeremy Lamb. Any player in the league can have a good week or two stretch. What can you do beyond that? That makes you good. Dwayne Bacon can give you maybe a stretch here and there, but he just hadn't done it consistently and made the decision consistently. Can, I mean, is he too good for the Greensboro swarm where he's averaging 40 a game and just not good enough to be a rotation player right now in the NBA? Is it a confidence thing that the Greensboro thing, my God, I, I just, with him asking to go down there, he just wants to hoop and I get that, but it's gotta be the confidence of him just wanting to swing his bows and like, you know, do the, do the thing where he puts his hand on somebody's forehead and, they swing a whole lot and they don't land any body punches. Yeah, I don't know. One has to wonder if, if, if Steve Clifford were still around. Clifford was a big fan of this guy. And Clifford, I think, was somebody that demanded certain things if you were going to get playing time. Whereas it's a different kind of situation that JB is, is faced with where those demands aren't necessarily there until they are. Like you can get that playing time, but then if you don't, you know, if you don't do certain things, obviously there are plenty of players that deserve a look on this team at this point. And, and JB has shown a willingness to move that starting lineup as necessary. So I, you just wonder if, if it would have been slightly different if Steve Clifford were here for Dwayne Bacon. But I agree with Rick. Ultimately, I don't think the future of Dwayne Bacon is going to be written in Charlotte. Man, what a weird career. It starts his first freaking game with the Hornets as a second round pick. I, the first one, because I think it was a Nick Batum injury. And we saw Dwayne Bacon in there and now he's, playing games in Greensboro in his third year in the league again. It's crazy to see what's happened. And listen, gone on. the NBA is all about timing. It's all, I mean, you know, there are only 82 games and, you know, for a career, if you're lucky, you're getting six, seven to nine years of action. I mean, that's not a, you know, it's, it's moments, it's opportunities like Dwayne had early in the season. And some players simply let those slip away. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug Branson, LOH. And you can find the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Always appreciate you joining us. We'll uh, be back with you tomorrow. Surveys. Yes.